0: belly. I'll commit another thing. I'm absolutely stuff. Now fill your brain with lightning knowledge. What can I do to speed the whole thing up, doctor? This is Lightning Lunch, a full hour of lightning talk with lightninginsider.com's Eric Erlinson. Did you see the memo about this? On Lightning Power Play.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play Monday, February the 17th, and uh, we have uh, way too much to have to cover today, but we will certainly try and do our best to make it all come together. Lightning are back in action tonight. They are in Denver to take on the Colorado Avalanche. That is a 9 p.m. start. That'll be on Fox Sports Sun, uh, as well as right here on Lightning Power Play. Uh, I'm a little jealous. There's a lot of Afternoon games out in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. Uh, But the Lightning will be on the ice at 9 o'clock tonight against Colorado. Uh, Blake Coleman, a big deal. The Lightning pulled off yesterday to acquire Coleman from the New Jersey Devils. We'll break all that down. Uh, Give you some of my thoughts on it and what he might mean to this team. Uh, We're also going to check in with Amanda Stein from uh, devils.com to give us some insight and the scouting report on what type of a player the Lightning will be receiving in Blake Coleman and what he might be able to bring to this lineup. Uh, She has covered him for the last couple of years for the Devils. Uh, It's also our bi-weekly check-in with Stacey Roos, Lightning Assistant General Manager, and boy, the timing works out well again as we can kind of get some of his thoughts on uh, the trade as also, of course, on the uh, Syracuse Crunch who – are playing a little bit better of late, uh, certainly better than the last time we spoke to Stacy. so we'll have him on a little bit later on the show as well as your questions, comments as well. Uh, You can use the hashtag AskEE on Twitter, or you can email me. It's eric at lightninginsider.com. That's E-R-I-K at lightninginsider.com. And I actually already have a question in from... Stephen Fox, who uh, hopefully he's listening right now. Stephen, I'll get to your question uh, a little bit later in the show as well. So, uh, again, so, so much to get to. That doesn't even count Saturday's game against the Philadelphia Flyers. Lightning tie a franchise record with their 10th consecutive win. It's the second time they have had 10 a 10-game ten winning streak this season. They are just the third team and second franchise ever in the NHL to have two 10-game winning streaks within the same season. The only other team to do it were the Boston Bruins. They did it in 1929-30. And then in 1970-71, a team that Phil Esposito was a part of, uh, which he was very aware of when I asked him or brought this up to his attention on Saturday. He was very aware that that 70-71 season, his team did have two 10-game winning streaks. In the same year, uh, Lighting also won their 11th consecutive home game. That is a franchise record. Uh, of course, the big news was that Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, and Anthony Sorelli were all back in the lineup. Uh, Stamkos finished with a couple of assists. Then uh, Kucherov had the empty net goal at the end um, to seal the deal, so a uh, 5-3 victory for Tampa Bay. On Saturday against the Flyers, again, 10th consecutive win on, uh, on the season. Second time they've done that this year. Uh, just coming out right now, Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, third consecutive week, he's been named one of the three stars of the week by the NHL. Won all three games last week with 1.64 goals against average and a 9.49 save percentage and number two star of the week. Uh, 19-0-2 in his last 21 starts is Vasilevsky. Uh, We don't know yet if he's starting tonight. Uh, We won't even get word of that while we're on the air. Um, I don't think we shouldn't. Uh, Anyway, as the Lightning are in Denver today uh, for their morning skate, two hours behind. now We might. We might get some uh, indication uh, of whether he's going to start or not. While we're on the I would expect him to, and then we'll see when Carter, Curtis McElhaney, I would expect that McElhaney will get one of the starts on this trip. Uh, but anyway, Andre Vasilevsky named the number two star of the week. Um, nothing really big to, to talk too much about in regards to Saturday's game. Um, the third period, there's, I know the players, the coaching staff were not thrilled with the way they played in the third. It was quite alarming. You know, they kind of, they were kind of rolling along through the first couple of periods. The Flyers certainly had a couple of chances. Uh, Vasilevsky was big again, even though he gave up three goals. He was, he was playing really, really well as the team in front of him. You know, they built a two nothing first period lead. Carter Hagee makes it 3-0 about five minutes into the second. And I don't want to say they kind of put it on cruise control a little bit, but you kind of had that feel for it. And I saw one other person mention this to me, and I had this feel as well after the game. It felt a little bit like a game from last year where the team would build this lead, and then they would just kind of fall into a sitting back mode. You know, they got up 4-1, a little against the run of play in the third period on a, Brilliant Brayden point shot uh, to, to go ahead 4-1. to one. And then the Flyers scored twice in 44 seconds to make it a 4-3 game. Uh, they have to hold on. The number of scoring chances and high-danger chances that the Lightning gave up in the third period were astounding. I think they gave up 15 high-danger chances in the third period alone. I think they gave up 20-something scoring chances. That is a ton of... Uh, certainly it had the players' attention after the game and it had John Cooper's attention in his comments to us after the game as well uh, about letting the game be close when it really shouldn't have. And, you know, I saw a couple people say, well, the power play, the power play kept this game from being a blowout. Well, in a sense, that's correct because they did end up, I think, 0 for 5 on the power play. But here's the thing. What, What have we been talking about with this team all year? Don't give up the next one. Right? You have a lead. You don't need to score another one. Just don't give up the next one. Well, they got away from that. And that's how a, a uh, 4-1 lead became a 4-3 lead in the blink of an eye. And the puck management in the third period uh, was something to be desired. Uh, they got lucky. The Flyers actually had a 2-on-0 break after Kevin Shattenkirk kind of blew a tire. And then Victor Hedman got turned the wrong way because he thought Shattenkirk was there. Ends up a 2-on-0 and they got lucky that the puck kind of Flubbed off the stick of uh, – I forget who it was. Um, but, they, you know, they, so you you got to be lucky to be good and good to be lucky sometimes. And uh, the Lightning got away with uh, their play in the third period. Hold on for a 5-3 win. We'll see if they can kind of get back to being more defensively sound as they uh, get back out on the ice tonight. Starts a three-game road trip again tonight, 9 p.m., against the Colorado Avalanche. Myself and Greg Lanelli will have the last call post-game show for you after the game tonight, so make sure you stick around to hear us. Uh, We'll talk about the game, obviously. We'll also talk about the trade. Um, We'll take your questions and comments, as we always do, and potentially phone calls. Uh, We couldn't take phone calls the last road game against Pittsburgh, but uh, I think we'll be able to take phone calls tonight. So if you want to call in and join the conversation, you are free. Look for the... Tweet to come out either from uh, Greg's Twitter feed, that's at Greg Linelli, L I N N E L L I, or from the Bolts Radio Twitter feed, and then I'll have the phone number in there as well. Uh, so, again, last call post game show coming up tonight after the game. Of course, I'll join Greg uh, pre game, first intermission, and second intermission as well. So, uh, make sure you keep it locked in here on Lightning Power Play all day. Greg has Lightning Power Play live. Uh, I believe it'll air at 6, and then it'll re-air, I think, at 7.30. Uh, At least that's usually the way it is. He has uh, Jay Kahn from Sirius XM NHL radio on his show today, uh, as well as Chris Ryan from uh, Devils. He covers the Devils um, for New Jersey Media. I I forget it. I, I apologize for not knowing off the top of my head, which one it is. Um, Just trying to look at the schedule here. Um, Lightning Power Play live at 6 and at 7.30, yes. So uh, 6 and 7.30 Lightning Power Play will air uh, with Greg. And then again, the pregame show starts at 8.30. All right, the big trade that went down yesterday, uh, we're going to get into it with Amanda Stein here in a minute. But uh, in case you were uh, under a rock yesterday and not paying attention, Uh, the lighting did acquire Blake Coleman from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for a first-round draft pick as well as prospect Nolan Foote. The draft pick is the one that belongs originally belonged to the Vancouver Canucks that Tampa Bay got in the trade for J.T. Miller. They also got a third-round draft pick in that deal as well, which turned out to be Hugo Alnefeld, uh the goaltender, the Swedish goaltender. So there are conditions to that pick. If Vancouver makes the playoffs, then it is a draft pick this year's draft, 2021 or 2020 draft. If for some reason Vancouver falls out of the race in the Pacific Division, then that pick will transfer to next year, 2021. Um, and again, Nolan Foote was Tampa Bay's first-round draft pick this past year, 27th overall, plays for Kelowna in the Western Hockey League. Uh, won a gold medal with Team Canada at the World Junior Championships this past uh, winter. It was last month, actually. Uh, has a lethal shot, as we know. Uh, talked to Stacey Roost a couple weeks ago about him for something different, and he had mentioned his uh, how much he's improved in terms of his skating, how much of a more of a playmaker he started to become, how he's a power forward type of player. We all know the shot that he has. We saw it at the World Juniors. We saw it in development camp. Um, so, again, Nolan Foote and a first-round draft pick for Blake Coleman, and we'll get into uh, Blake Coleman and what he is and what kind of player he is. Uh, so let's take a break right now. We're going to get Amanda Stein uh, on the phone from devils.com and get her take on it. So stick around. We'll talk to Amanda when we come back right after this.
0: Oh, we've got more lightning talk for you. Unbelievable. Get a heaping helping of hockey with Lightning Lunch. It's your window to wait game. On Lightning Power Play.
1: All right, Welcome back to Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. And as we were talking about the big deal involving Blake Coleman from yesterday, again, first-round draft pick, and Nolan Foot in exchange for Coleman, who carries a $1.8 million cap hit. Uh, he does have one more year remaining on his deal, so this is not a rental situation. And to give us some uh, insight and a scouting report on Coleman and what kind of a player the Lightning are receiving is from Devils.com, Amanda Stein. She's been on the show before. Amanda, thanks for taking a few minutes out here for us on Lightning Lunch. How are things? Things are good. A little busy, not going (laughs) to lie. It's uh, been a little crazy
2: 12 hours or so, but uh, everything's good, and you're getting a good one. Yeah,
1: well, I was going to say, you had a game yesterday. You had two trades that went down yesterday. That's not busy, is it? No,
2: not at all. I mean, there was like a point where I had to remember that there was still a game to cover because obviously the captain, Andy Green, was traded just prior to the game. And then at around 8 o'clock last night, after Blake was held out of the game, um, that news came down. So there was a lot going on, but this is what we do, you know. Yep. We, we
1: manage these times of year. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially with a week to go. And I'm sure that uh, you're probably not done. There's probably a, little bit more, a couple of moves that uh, the, uh, Tom Fitzgerald might make between now and next Monday. Uh, But just to kind of give us some insights into Blake Coleman, we we see the numbers, 20-goal score, but he's more of a heart and soul type of guy. Is that kind of a fair assessment?
2: That's a complete fair assessment. You know, he's really a heartbeat to a team. He's a guy who will put himself on the line every single shift. There is no, you know, first gear, second gear, third gear for Blake. It's going all the time, no matter what. And you do look at offensive numbers and in terms of, like, you know, how the deal shapes up and what you're getting back and stuff like that. But he's more than just his offensive numbers. When you look at him on the penalty kill, he is a huge asset not only is he a great shot blocker someone who puts his body on the line as i mentioned before but he is he has unbelievable speed to score shorthanded goals i mean i'm standing in prudential center right now where the devils play and i'm looking out onto the ice and i can just envision so many goals that blake has scored particularly on the penalty kill um, that have lifted this team to victories he's a heart and soul guy um, you're, you're really getting not only an excellent hockey player, but a, a really good human being, and, and comes from an awesome family in Texas.
1: Well, and I look at the numbers, and the numbers stand out: second consecutive 20-goal season, and, and I, you know, I read about his his success and the penalty kills you just mentioned. And Then I'm looking at his five-on-five five numbers, like he's mm-hmm. among some of the best five-on-five five players yep. in the league in terms of scoring chances created and shots, uh, shots on individual shots on goal of five-on-five. Uh, I mean, where does that kind of come from? Because we we talk about the intangibles, but he's pretty good 5-on-5.
2: Well, that's it. And he's not necessarily a name that everyone around the league, you know, in terms of fans, really know. But this is a guy who... To this fan base here in New Jersey, really, you know, everyone took a liking to him or a love to him because he's so versatile in all aspects of the game. And you know, this year he didn't necessarily play as much on the power play that as much as he would have wanted to, but he can. So he's a guy that in every single situation, the coaching staff is able to trust him no matter what, because not only does he have that offensive ability, but his defensive mind is so strong that. He's a guy that you can rely on no matter what. And the, the thing about Blake is that he can play on the top line. He can play on your third line. He can play in all areas of the line and adapt really well. And this is the type of player that you want going into the playoffs. This is the type of heart and soul guy that you want because he's so versatile.
1: You mentioned what kind of a person he is. What, what kind of character is his on the ice locker and what kind of elements uh, are those that he brings
2: I mean, he's an incredible leader. He's, you know, he, he was a young leader in the Devil's Walker Room, which has a particular, you know, we're a particularly young team, and Blake isn't, you know, exactly that old, but... um He's a character guy. He will speak his mind. He will say what he thinks is wrong. He will encourage people when things are going well. He's chatting on the bench all the time. He's very, very vocal. I just think he's going to fit in really well in in the role that he'll be put in uh, with Tampa Bay. And it'll be a different role than what he has here because what he had here, he was really heavily relied on playing on that second line with Travis Zajac and Nikita Gusev. You know, he was out there a lot depended on because maybe, you know, the talent up front doesn't necessarily match what Tampa Bay had. So I think he'll really excel because you can put him in any role. You can put him with any amount of ice time and you know with Blake that he'll give it 110%. And I know that's cliche, but your fan base is going to see that that is exactly who Blake is. And when he commits to something, he sees it through.
1: Again, we're joined by Amanda Stein from devils.com. Uh, talking about Blake Coleman and the acquisition Tampa Bay made on Sunday. And for those who don't, aren't aware, he's not going to play tonight. He's expected to join the team a little bit later in the week for practice in Vegas and expected to make his lighting debut on Thursday when they face the Golden Knights. I, I, Amanda, I, I keep seeing this reference to uh, his nickname Pickles. And uh, the, reason, <laughs> the reason behind it, uh, give us a story behind how he ended up with that nickname.
2: All right, so Blake Coleman had suffered from really bad cramping in his legs, and it was something that his dad had as well when they played sports. And I think it was when he was playing college hockey, one of his uh, teammates suggested this idea that pickle juice can help with um, cramps in your legs. And he's like, all right. He had tried everything up until that point, so he said, I'm going to give it a shot. And he found that it actually really worked and helped him tremendously. So a couple years back, I want to say like two years ago, in the locker room, we started to notice like <laughs> jars of pickles and pickle <laughs> juice in the team fridge, which is like open in the locker room. And so someone asked, like, Who's is that and why is it there? And so then the story came out. And Blake and his family have turned this into an incredible kind of project um, where they have their own pickle juice line and merchandise and all this. And it's a family affair for them. He's got his sisters involved in the, the advertising and all that. And then he also, through that, started Pickles Pals, which is his foundation that he started here in New Jersey, giving back to New Jersey youth and inviting New Jersey youth, underprivileged youth, to the games and pays for their time here and meets with them. Him and his wife, Jordan, meet with them after the games. So he's really turned it into, you know, something that helped him on the ice and helped him in his career into something much bigger than it actually is. So whenever Blake would score a goal or something, you would see something like a hashtag pickle power. So I'm sure you'll get um, updates from him personally. But, yes, it is a thing he will definitely be going down to Tampa Bay with his pickle juice.
1: So, so he does, he actually drinks it in the pound oh, yeah. box when he's in there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I've seen him drink it. He says it tastes disgusting, but <laughs> it works, you know, so he does it. Yeah. He it's there. And I've seen him many, many times drink the pickle juice, whether it's, I mean, I'm not in the locker room between periods, but I know he does between periods and after games just to help him and, and help his legs. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the, the unique story behind uh, Blake Coleman. But, but I, I think the, the really important part when talking about this particular thing, which is pickle juice, is that he turned it into something that allowed him to give back to the community yep. that really embraced him. Um, and Pickles Pals have, has been a huge thing here in New Jersey, and he's really given back – Um, in, in multiple ways. And I think, you know, it's a testament to who he is, what Tom Fitzgerald, our interim general manager said yesterday after the game, uh, when he addressed the, the, um, the trade, he said, this was really hard. He said, I know this is not going to be popular. I know this is not a popular move. Um, But I had to do it because of what the return was and the situation. So lots of teams were calling on Blake Coleman is what Tom Fitzgerald fit. Um, And eventually this was the deal that Fitzgerald felt comfortable with and felt he was getting the best return for Blake Coleman, uh, who has another year left on his contract at a very reasonable price. You're getting a lot for your money there.
1: All right, last question, Amanda, and we let you go. Uh, The one-handed goal he scored earlier (laughs) in the year—he's got
2: a couple of those. What,
1: what, what kind of a—I mean, inventiveness or whatever? I mean, is that just part? Is that just the never give up attitude that he has?
2: Yes, that's his heart and soul kind of character. Is that, as I mentioned before, like he'll never give up on a play no matter what like until that whistle goes goes and you know he he's capable of roughing it up after the whistle as well he will not stop he has no other no other gear but go and so if you actually do look him up there was that incredible short uh, that uh one-handed goal that surprised everyone in this building but he's got a couple of other ones so i really urge you know the Tampa Bay fan base go look up Blake Coleman's highlights because that's really who he is shift in shift out, whether he's scoring or not, he's making an impact in all areas of the ice. And I, I, you know, I'm just really happy for him as a human being that he's going to get to go down there and, you know, have a run for it, you know, for the cup, Um, you're getting a really good one. And, you know, he's in a bit of a difficult situation because his wife is due to give birth to their first child within the next two weeks. So um, it was a hard day for them, but they're really excited to be there.
1: Yeah, you could hear it in his voice when he spoke to us on a conference call, uh, the Tampa media here. You could tell. Obviously, there's excitement, but uh, there's some bittersweetness there for sure. But um,
2: Yeah, I, I think I would say that one of the, the positive things, in a sense, is that, you know, the Devils were starting our father's trip today. So his dad, Rusty, was here with him. So he had a lot of support around him in terms of having his dad here, um, you know, helping out. So... That, that's a really nice thing for them. So he didn't get to go on the dad's trip, but he uh, he gets to go make a run for the Cup.
1: Yeah, it's got to be uh, – that's the one aspect of it too, right, because um, he does come to a team that a- has aspirations of you know yep. going after a Stanley Cup this year, and certainly they're playing like it. Uh, Amanda, uh, have a good trip. Uh, we'll see you down here next month when the Devils are in town. Thanks for your time. Uh, we'll catch up uh, when you're down this way.
2: Sounds good, and take care of them for us,
1: (laughs) all right? We will do our best, I promise. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Eric. All right, thanks, Amanda. That's Amanda Stein from devils.com, and uh, in reference to uh, what she was talking about there with the whole Pickles Pals and everything like that, uh, Coleman actually has a website. You can go to it, Coleman20, that's the number 20, dot com, and it does have, uh, you can buy the pickle juice, and there are other merchandise as well. Uh, and I believe a lot of that goes to uh, charity. So um, you can check that website out, Coleman20.com. And, again, Blake Coleman will not play tonight uh, as the Lightning are in Denver to take on the Avalanche. Uh, he's, he's being given a day or two by the Lightning to kind of get things in order because, as Amanda mentioned, him and his wife are expecting a baby. I believe he said last week the due date is actually in two weeks. So, obviously, she can't travel. Uh, she can't fly or anything like that. Uh, so they're going to get that all situated. Uh, the Lightning are certainly going to give him the time he needs to be able to do that uh, before he joins a team. The team is off tomorrow. They have a practice in Vegas on Wednesday. I would imagine, I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine that he'll be there for that practice and then uh, expected, I would think, to make his debut on Thursday in Vegas against the Golden Knights. All right, let's take our second break here. Uh, we're going to get Stacy Roost on the phone, lightning assistant general manager, as well as a general manager of the Syracuse Crunch. He'll give some of his thoughts on this deal and then what's going on with Syracuse, who have kind of turned things around a little bit. So we'll get Stacy uh, rung up on the phone. We'll do that when we come back right after this.
0: can't get enough lightning talk log on to lightninginsider.com for more puck pontification oh if if if, uh if 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 if, if we oh if oh look it's quite simple more lightning lunch with eric erlinson on lightning power play
1: all right welcome back to lightning lunch here on lightning power play eric erlinson your host from lightninginsider.com of course we're talking a lot about the big trade involving blake coleman and the New Jersey Devils that went down yesterday. Uh, But we also want to talk a little Syracuse crunch as well, and we're going to do that right now with Stacy Roos, Lightning Assistant General Manager as well, Syracuse General Manager. He he checks in with us here every other week. And, uh, Stacy, we always appreciate your time here. Uh, Let's just start with the trade, first of all, from an organizational standpoint. I mean, how much uh, is Blake Coleman going to kind of give this roster, this team, uh, a, a good boost here down the stretch and hopefully into the playoffs?
3: Oh, yeah, we're hoping that you know, with with uh, with him coming in and, and and the style of game he plays and the forward group that we have and add a little depth to a little more depth to our to our lineup, it'll be a, a good boost. He can play in uh, in all situations, so we're really excited to to have him and get him started as lightning.
1: How much does versatility come into account when you kind of evaluate players too? Because he can play any position, he can play up and down your lineup. I know he was playing more of a second line role with the Devils, but he he's a guy you can plug in just about anywhere in this roster, right?
3: Yeah, if you look at some of our forwards, we have uh, already the the, the, uh, the guys that can play center and wing and, and left or right, and, and it's a it's a good uh, it's a good advantage for the player and for us as well. We can mix and match our our lines uh, line around a little bit, so his versatility was was key, and we like the contract and like the way he played in the season he's having. So hopefully he'll he'll come to us and fit right in.
1: And to get a player like this, you have to give up, and you guys did give up a first-round draft pick that belonged to Vancouver. You got the JT Miller deal and Nolan Foot. Um, just, just kind of a, when you guys are discussing trades like this, not to give away too much internal conversation, but I, I mean, how hard are those conversations to have when you talk about the package that's going the other way?
3: Well, yeah, that's 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 tough. I mean, you realize what, what, what you're giving up and and when you get a player like 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 Blakey obviously they're going to they know how valuable he is we know how valuable he is so they're going to ask for for uh for what they think he's worth and then we have to you know discuss and talk about it and see if we're willing to give that up we know we give up a lot but you know we get back a good player with a good contract so we're uh, we're happy
1: well, and he was sought after by more than a couple of teams. Uh, you know, if if you read the reports, uh, was gaining a lot of interest in in the trade market. Uh, so, in that sense too, you you grab this player, and then you also make sure that no other conference rival rival can get a player. Does that factor into this as well, or is it all about you?
3: Well, we're just trying to make our team make our team better and give us a better chance. And um, you know, when there are other teams involved, you don't know what uh, what they're talking about or who they're they're being offered around. So. You have to be comfortable with what what we're offering, and and uh, you know we feel he's going to make our team better and give us a better chance. So, you know that's why uh, why the deal was made.
1: All right, again we're joined by Stacy Rooster. Checks in with us here every other Monday on Lightning Lunch. And uh, Stacy, last time we talked, uh, we talked about uh, things going south for Syracuse. They were a little bit of a rut. Uh, haven't lost since then. They're 4-0 and 2 in their last six games. What's some of the biggest reasons that uh, maybe the the results have started to turn around here a little bit the last couple of weeks?
3: Yeah, getting uh, you know getting Scott Wedgwood back has helped, and, and and taking a little bit of the load off, off off Spencer Martin. So that's been they've been playing really well. Um, you know, we just you watch the games and you, <laughs> the guys are playing hard. We're getting they're giving up. Last game we had a little bit had a tough time getting going after beating Utica and the shots were a little bit lopsided the other way, but um, I thought we, we were playing harder. We're, uh, we're, we're, you know, our special teams are getting a little bit better. So I think that's, a, you know, a big reason for that. More consistency in guys. And if you look at the scoring, you know, Kachuk and Radish and, and Colton and these guys and, and, and Ben Thomas on the back end, they're starting to, starting to all, uh, you know, perform and, and put up some numbers and, and, and more, more of a balanced scoring. Danic Martel as well. So that helps when you're, kind of balancing, you know, two, you know, two or three key guys every every
1: night. Uh, you know, and, and Danic Martell is a player that a lot of people have been asking me about in terms of where he's at. What kind of a season has he had? He spent all year up here with Tampa Bay. didn't see him much playing time. In some ways, how much did that kind of set him back a little bit? And on, on top of that, what kind of year has he had?
3: Well, yeah, it was a tough year last year for him because he's, he's – you know you're, you're, you he didn't play many games you know last year but he's had a, he's had a good year for us he's uh he's he plays so hard he's he's quick i think it he did take him a little bit a little bit to get going and and uh and, and getting back in the groove of finding your you know your uh, your goal scoring and your and your ability to you know play with the puck and stuff he's got sixteen goals so he's having a good year sixteen goals fourteen, 14 assists, so numbers wise he's going going good he's being really good on a penalty kill. Not sure how much he was killing penalties before, but he's been good for us. in the penalty kill, a couple of shorthanded goals. He uses his his speed speed well, so we're uh, we're happy with uh, with where he's at, and hopefully he can continue.
1: Some injuries you guys have had down there that uh, you, you talked about the last time you were on the show. And know core Connock is now banged up uh, a little bit. When that uh, that happens, just as we see the NHL level players have to step up into maybe roles that they haven't played. Yeah during the Mm -hmm. year, and they have to take on a little bit more ice time. How much has that maybe helped guys like a Kachuk, like a Radish? I know you mentioned last time that Kachuk uh, has kind of had to play some center this year as well to be put in a little bit of a different role. So how much does that help their development when they can maybe put in, I don't want to say uncomfortable positions, but maybe unfamiliar
3: yeah, exactly. uncomfortable is 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 a good word. You want them to play as, as long as they can they can produce and not even produce, but as long as they're doing okay. I guess the, you know when when, you, when the younger it's a tough league to, to play. In. It's a tough tough league to to perform in, and you know, obviously first and second year guys. It takes you know offensively it takes a little bit of time. But you know if, if it's too much for them and it's not going well, and the teams you
2: know,
3: you know wins and losses, but it's about development and you know we believe in in winning you know and developing. So. If, if players are there and they're playing too much maybe a little bit too much it's a little bit you know tough for them against tough competition and in, in, in pressure situations it's, it's you know it's a little tricky but with boris it's been great he's play, had to play some center he's actually he enjoys playing center um he's he's up to he's got 11 goals now so he's he's putting the puck in the a little bit more he's killing penalties taking more face offs which he's really working on because that's that's probably the toughest thing is when you're a winger you're not really taking many draws and when you're out there, against, uh, you know, he's playing top six minutes, so he's playing against top guys who are, who are who are more experienced and, you know, a little bit older. So it's been really good for a guy like Boris to to, to be able to play way more minutes, and, and he's handled it fine.
1: Some injuries up here with Ryan McDonough and Jan Ruda have, has taken Cameron Gaunce away from the team uh, for a little bit. Uh, I know Luke Wachowski has just come back to be back in the lineup, but when you take a player like Cameron out who has done a lot for like, the team over the last couple of years, how does that kind of affect the, the back end as well as he spends some time up here?
3: Yeah, that that, that one that one hurts the crunch down for sure because he plays so many minutes. He does play every all situations, and at the same time that he went up, we lost uh, Patrick Sealf as well. So that's that's a tough uh, for the left side, but. You know the guys like uh, Don Machine and, and and they got you know more opportunities. Cal Foots had to play more. Ben Thomas has had to play more. They've been playing really well. So, but losing a guy like Gons, who's been around, he's 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 our kind of our veteran guy on the left side down there, and you know he calms the calms the younger guys down and and helps them out. But it's been been a little bit tough. But it's a good opportunity for him to go up there and, and helps the the Lightning. And once again, it gives our it gives our, you know, our younger D you know more ice time and more opportunity.
1: Well, and now you know if, if you need it in your back pocket, Gons can play a little forward, apparently. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, good for him. That was uh, tough when, it, when it's uh, you know, a situation like that happens pretty quick and you're thrown into a bit of a bind. But good for him. He got in there and he he uh, he, he worked. and helped the team. It was good to,
1: Good to see. I picked up an assist as well. So, uh, hey, I, it was funny to hear John Cooper talk about after the game. He was like, well, the one thing you know with defensemen, they're not going to jump down too low too much. So he was ahead, He was above pucks a lot, which was <laughs> something they kind of <laughs> pointed out that I thought was kind of funny. Um, again, we're joined here by Stacey Roos, Lightning Assistant, General Manager, and Syracuse General Manager. Uh, have you pretty much reserved yourself to the fact that Mitchell Stevens won't be coming back to Syracuse?
3: Yeah, he's played. he's played played well he's you know he's up there he's playing every night he's playing playing, playing good minutes so that's uh you know kind of it's, it's it's tough obviously we want him to 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 go up there and, and, and play and help the lightning like he has and, but we're going to miss him down in syracuse if he doesn't come back so that's that's tough for us but that's why uh you know that's why we, we take pride in getting our players ready for for tampa when they need him and he's he's uh you know they he got the call and, and hopefully he's he's there for good uh,
1: you're not surprised, and I know we've, we, I think I probably asked you this question a couple of times since he's come up, but he just continues to just look in place, right? Like it looks like he belongs here on a regular basis. And for younger players, sometimes you don't know. There's a peak when they first come up. There's that adrenaline push, and then they have a little bit of a dip, and it's a question of how far that dip is going to be. He hasn't really dipped very much in his uh, determination, his play, his face-offs. He was really good the other night against Philadelphia, who's the best face-off team in the league. Uh, so no surprise to you that once he came here and stuck, that his game was going to translate?
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. It took, he, It's his third-year Third-year pro. He's, he's, he's one thing about we'll Mitch is that every night when you when you watch him play, when he's healthy, when he's feeling good, he can skate. And, and when he's skating, whether it's American League level or at the NHL level, he's always been an NHL skater. But when he's using his speed, and you can, which is pretty much every night, cause that's his biggest asset. And uh, he goes up there and he skates and you can catch guys on the on the you know on the way back if if there's a guy uh, ahead of him. So that's a good asset to have. But he's figured it out. He's he's, he's had a really good uh, start to the season down there in, in Syracuse and he's went up there and he's
1: carried it over yeah he's played really well he looks like he's really really fit in um, with, with this team and uh, I I don't you know I think he's earned his opportunity and I don't think he's going back anytime soon which is good for the lightning I know it, it creates a little bit of a hole but that's what you guys are there for at the, at the AHL level is to produce and uh, get guys to the NHL uh, Stacy as always we appreciate your time I really uh, appreciate the insight as well we'll do this again in a couple weeks. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks. Stacey Roost, Lightning Assistant General Manager as well as General Manager of the Syracuse Crunch. And as I mentioned, the Crunch are 4-0-2. In their last six games, uh, they have crept up to uh, fifth place in the North Division. They're a point behind the Toronto Marlies. They're five points out of third place in the division. So uh, hopefully that success continues. The Crunch, by the way, do play this afternoon at 2 p.m., Uh, They do have an afternoon game, and that you can hear right here on Lightning Power Play. At 2 o'clock, they take on Bellevue, who is one of the top teams uh, in the American Hockey League. Uh, Bellevue uh, is the affiliate of the Ottawa Senators, and they currently sit uh, atop of the North Division with a record of 32-15-5. 69 points. They're 13 points ahead of Syracuse, so it'll be a tough game this afternoon for the Crunch. Again, that's a two o'clock start. You can hear Lucas Favalli with the call here uh, on Lightning Power Play. Uh, that'll come up again, 2 p.m. All right, let's take our final break. When we come back, uh, lots of comments, questions coming in. I want to get to as many as I can before we have to sign off for the afternoon. Again, the Lightning are in Denver tonight to take on the Colorado Avalanche at Pepsi Center. That's a 9 p.m. puck drop, but we'll take your comments and questions. If you got them, use the hashtag AskEE on Twitter, Or email me, Eric at lightninginsider.com, and we'll get to those. So stick around, we'll be back right after this.
0: Belly up to the bar and order some more lightning talk.
2: Lisa, I want some more. more.
0: This is Lightning Lunch with Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play.
1: All right, welcome back to our final segment of Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play on this Monday, February the 17th. Again, Tampa Bay is in Colorado tonight to take on the Avalanche. 9 p.m. start. Make sure you keep it locked in here. Dave Mishkin will have the call for you on the radio side. Myself and Greg Linnelli will have the last call post-game show as well exclusively here on Lightning Power Play. So uh, make sure you download the iHeart app. Search for Lightning Power Play. You can listen to it that way or go to tblpowerplay.com. On your desktop, and that's how you can listen to us. All right, uh, lots of questions and comments for sure coming in. Regards, obviously to the trade yesterday, uh, but I want to start with uh, the question from Steven. Hopefully, Steven, uh, he says he tries to listen on his lunch break, uh, so I want to try and get to that. Uh, his question is: Now that Zach Cassian has been suspended, yes, he did receive a seven-game suspension for his kick to Eric Chernak. Uh, last week when Edmonton was in town. Uh, When an NHL player is suspended, what is the policy as to what the player can do with the team, i.e. practice? uh, Everything else, as I mentioned, Stephen tries to uh, catch the show during his lunch hour uh, to get the insights, keep up the good work. Thank you, Stephen, for the email. Thanks for participating in the show. And, of course, thanks for listening. Um, Players are allowed to practice. This is not, uh, I guess there's some other, I think the NFL, I don't think you're allowed to even practice. With the team, players are allowed to practice, but they can't participate, obviously, in games or anything like that. So, uh, and they get suspended without pay. You know, that was a question that came up uh, as well when that happened. That uh, that pay does go to the players' emergency fund, NHLPA's players' emergency fund, when they are suspended, and because and there are certain ramifications whether you're a repeat offender. You know, there are certain levels in which the suspension hits uh, in terms of how much it's going to cost a player. And in this case, I believe it cost Cassian around $130,000 total uh, for the kick, which, again, the fact that he downplayed it after the game um, against uh, Edmonton just boggled my mind uh, a little bit. All right, from Jason... Uh, Blake Coleman surely brings a lot to the offense. And PK, all numbers look quite solid. The term and cap hit are agreeable. Defensively, 5-on-5 five five is where the concern may be historically not great. And this season's isolated impact is worse. Actually, Jason, his 5-on-5 five five play this year has been exceptional. You know, we just uh, talked to uh, Amanda about that. His goals per 60 at 5-on-5, five five, this is just 5-on-5, five five, his goals per 60 is 1.27, which is 21st in the league, and is actually just behind Nikita Kucherov at 1.28. And on top of that, his zone starts, yes, I looked all these numbers up, uh, 43% of the offensive zone. So that means 57% of his zone starts actually take place in the defensive zone. So this is a player who starts most of his shifts in the defensive zone, and yet his five-on-five goals per 60 uh, is just about top 20 in the league. And as far as his overall 5-on-5 five five play, uh, his 152 shots 5-on-5 five five are 42 more than anybody else on the Devils this year. His 228 shot attempts is by far um, more than anybody else on the team, which is and it's also 26th overall in the league. Uh, here's another more 5-on-5 five five numbers. 132 individual scoring chances for himself. That ranks 16th in the league. Uh, 42 more than any other player, and his 64 high danger chances. This doesn't even count shorthanded because he has 14 high danger chances shorthanded alone. His high danger chances of 5-on-5 five five are 64. That's 11th overall in the league. So his 5-on-5 five five numbers are pretty good when you start to kind of dig into this a little bit and, and look at some of these numbers. I, I, I was impressed when I looked up these numbers yesterday in terms of how his play overall was. You know, you, you know a little bit about him. You remember playing against him and watching him play. Uh, he, can, he can be an agitator. He can be somebody that kind of gets in your face. He has that mentality, if you will. You know, he's not a huge guy, but he is 5'11", about 205 pounds. So he's, he's pretty solid at 5'11". Uh, he will, he's not going to back down from anybody. And he has that Anthony Sorelli-like doggedness to his game. You know, we listened to Amanda, the one-handed goals he scored that just kind of define who he is. It's that determination and never-give-up attitude that has kind of brought him here. He, he started his NHL career a little bit later. Uh, he was originally a third-round draft pick of New Jersey back in 2011, but he played four years at Mi- Miami of Ohio University um, just after he was drafted. So it, it's it's a little rare for players to comp- to... Compete all four years uh, in college, but he did uh, in Miami of Ohio. a Fantastic program, so he's certainly coming. Uh, or he, you know, that's where he kind of learned his trade a little bit. Uh, but he did play all four of those years at Miami of Ohio, where he was a, a pretty good goal scorer. Uh, 19 years is his junior year. 20 years his senior year uh, with Miami of Ohio before he joined the Devils organization. So he's only played in the NHL actually for two full seasons. He came up at the end of the 16-17 year, uh, and then he was a, became a big part of the team in 17-18. Of course, he was in the playoffs against Tampa Bay that year, had a couple of goals in that five-game series won by Tampa Bay. So again, I, I was impressed with the numbers uh, when you start to dig into them a little bit deeper. Uh, from Bob, in regards to tonight's game, Avalanche have been pretty good this year, uh, but the w- loss of Nazem Kadri and Philip Grubauer to injuries does this give Tampa Bay an opportunity to play their more defensive style that has been somewhat missing the last few games. And happy President's Day. Yes, it is a day off. My kids are home, probably playing video games right now. My wife is a teacher, so she did go to work for a little bit this, after, or this morning, uh, put in a half day. Um, at school. So the kids are unattended, probably playing video games as we speak. Um, I, I don't know if those injuries give Tampa Bay the opportunity to play more defensive. I think they want to get back to that anyway, especially the way the third period went uh, against Philadelphia on Saturday. Uh, I think the big thing in this is Grubauer. You know, the, the Avalanche are coming off that, that emotional game, the outdoor game, the stadium series uh, in Colorado Springs at the Air Force Academy. Uh, Kind of a cool event, these outdoor games. It was, you know, to see the jet on there and to make it look like it was a runway uh, was a pretty cool touch by the league. Uh, I was able to catch the last couple of periods of that game after I got home from Amelie here, and uh, they did lose Philip Grubauer late in that game. He got hit by his own player, kind of fell backwards and looked pretty stunned uh, when it happened. Um, The Avalanche did make a call up yesterday So uh, a goaltender call-up, so that gives you the indication that Grubauer is not going to be able to play and that uh, Pavel Francis, who did start against Tampa Bay earlier this year when Colorado was in town back in October. Of course, Tampa Bay a much different team right now than they were back when the Avalanche were here before. But this is going to be a difficult game. You know, the Avalanche are right there at the top of uh, the the Central Division trying to – Vi for first, they're, they're within a couple of points of uh, St. Louis and Dallas who are tied at the top of the division. Um, from Stephanie, with the trade, bringing in Coleman, does that mean Stevens will be sent back to Syracuse? And do you think Julian is done making trades, or will he add something on defense? Uh, first of all, I don't think mean this does not mean anybody. I don't think anybody's going back to Syracuse. Remember, they've been carrying 12 forwards for the longest period of time which is obviously the, about the minimum you can carry. You know, we've talked about the capital implications of that. But uh, I don't think, first of all, if somebody was going to go back, I, it's not going to be Mitchell Stevens. I mean, we are just talking with Stacy there in the, in the previous segment about how he has earned his spot here. You know, he's played well. The fact that during the break he didn't go back and play with Syracuse kind of gives you an indication of what the organization thinks of what his play has been since he's been up here. Uh, I think he's been great. Um, the, the production offensively isn't there, but he's been involved. His forecheck, is his face-offs. He brings so many things to the ice. His speed, for sure. Uh, so I don't think anybody is going back to Syracuse. Um, I know Bob had a follow-up in there about the waiver situation. Um, I don't think Stevens is eligible yet for waivers. I think he could clear. He would. He could be reassigned for not um, because he's still in his entry-level contract. Uh, so he I mean, he would not have to clear waivers to be reassigned, but everybody else on this roster does need waivers. Uh, that includes Carter Verhage, and they're not going to put Carter Verhage on waivers. All, what this I think the bigger question here would be: whose spot does Blake Coleman take? Who comes out of the lineup? You know, me and Greg we do the three keys to the game uh, every day, uh, every game day that you can kind of intertwine during the program here on the show, and that was one of our three keys: who 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 comes out. You know, this is an opportunity with Coleman not joining the team, presumably until Thursday. There's an opportunity here to make one last impression to say, hey, don't take me out. You know, whether that's a uh, a Carter Verhage, whether that's a – I know some people will say Yanni Gord. I don't agree with that, but some people will say Yanni Gord. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of questions about who's going to come out of the line. I don't think anybody is going back. As far as whether Julian is done <sighs> – the, the fact, and, and I was thinking about this yesterday, I was, I was just on the verge of starting to put together a trade deadline primer um, ahead of that trade being announced yesterday. So if you look at the ice time from Saturday, Victor Hedman played 32 minutes. While he can do it, and there are other defensemen in this league who can do it, I don't think you want to have Victor Hedman playing 30 minutes a night on a regular basis right now. So with that in mind, with the injuries they've had to McDonough and Ruta, which has kind of disrupted their flow and their um, consistency with the defensive pairings, I th- I wouldn't be surprised if they still go out and make some sort of a move for a defenseman. I don't know how what they have to give up to make it a quote-unquote big move. You know, you just gave up your top prospect and no one fr- in a first-round draft pick. You still do have a first-round draft pick for this year, but Um, Julian did say yesterday on the conference call with the media that he said don't hold your breath expecting another move between now and Monday. Again, one week from today is the NHL trade deadline uh, at 3 p.m. So uh, one week and two hours is when that will happen. I think that they'll try and bring in a depth defenseman. Uh, They do have some other assets if they need to. Um, But, again, Julian did caution everybody. Of course, he also said he probably wasn't going to make a big splash and wasn't necessarily interested in trading first-round draft pick, and here we are. Uh, Bob, once the playoffs begin, assuming Tampa Bay will be in the postseason, do the rosters expand, allowing for players to be added, or does it remain the same roster size? Uh, The roster size itself is unlimited. Uh, However, there are limitations on the number of players you can call up from Syracuse. So if Syracuse does not make the playoffs, this is not a big deal because their season will be over and you can bring players up. If Syracuse does make the playoffs, just as we've seen in years past, you only have after the trade deadline, okay, there are unlimited rosters. You can have as many players on your roster as you want. However, you only have four recall situations you can make from Syracuse. So this is not like Major League Baseball where their rosters expand to 40 players after September 1st. Now, you do have to be on the Lightning's organizational roster in order to be eligible for the playoffs. That's a different story. But so you only have those four recalls. So you can't raid your AHL team once the rosters expand, and there's still salary cap implications that you have to abide by. Once the playoffs begin, different story. You see this, you hear the phrase, the Black Aces thrown around. This is a group of players who will come up from the minor league and kind of practice off to their own uh, during a playoff run uh, to be ready just in case. Remember, a couple years ago, Jonathan Marcia show was one of those. When Ryan Callahan went down with an appendectomy, Marcia show was called upon and he came into the lineup because he was part of the Black Aces. Um, Megan has two questions. I'll try and get to them quickly. How many times has an NHL team had more than one 10-game win streak in a season? Did answer that earlier, but in case you missed it, it's only happened two other times in NHL history, and they were both by the Boston Bruins. 1929-30 and 1970-71 are the only other two times in NHL history. And this includes a year where the Montreal Canadiens only lost eight games. Now, no shootouts or whatnot. Back then you had ties, so they had – long streaks. Even the Flyers who have, what, they have 35 consecutive games with a point didn't have two 10-game winning streaks in that stretch. So uh, again, just the third time in NHL history and Megan asked, if it we're up to me, who do you put Coleman on a line with? My thought right now with Paquette and Maroon. I think his game translates to that uh, pretty well, uh, but I could also see him maybe adding some experience to that, that, f- that fourth line, if you will, with Mitchell Stevens and Uh, presumably Yanni Gord. Uh, We'll see what happens with Carter Verhage. But he can play anywhere. He can play center. He can play wing. Uh, He can do a lot of good things uh, with this team. So we'll see what that brings on Wednesday when the team practices in Vegas, assuming he does join the team by then. Again, him and his wife are expecting a baby here uh, in a couple of weeks is the due date. So it's kind of a fluid situation on what might take place there. But when he spoke to him last night, he did mention that the team is giving him a couple of days to kind of sort all this stuff out to see what's going to go on. But his anticipation was he would be ready to play uh, for the team and make his debut on Thursday. But, again, a very, very fluid situation. All right, that is going to wrap up today's show. Um, Just one quick thing. Uh, This show is not replaying today. So we are going to make it available for on demand shortly after we go off the air here. Um, so, again, no replay because of the Syracuse game and because of the 9 o'clock start tonight. The show will not replay, but you can find it on SoundCloud. Um, I'll send out a link uh, and put everybody in touch with that. All right, uh, I want to thank Amanda Stein for joining the show and giving us some really good insight on Blake Coleman, Stacy Roos for giving his thoughts on the deal as well as what's going on with the c- crunch right now. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. Megan and Stephanie and Bob and Steven, everybody else. I love the interaction. I love how you can kind of join the conversation, and uh, hopefully there's bigger things to come in that aspect. Thanks, as always, to Connor Zalinski for putting it all together and making it sound good. We'll be back with you tomorrow at noon. I'll be on with the last call with Greg tonight after the game. Tomorrow. Bye-bye, everybody.